This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to another J-Rock's Lawn Care and Gardening podcast. I welcome you back to this week's episode with another interview and this one is Tom from Forest Green Gardening, and we're on episode number 47. Thank you for joining us again. It is, you know, been absolutely mega, the amount of feedback that we've had come through and just the amount of people that carry on listening to these episodes. So thank you very much for staying with us. And I just want to introduce our guest here. Tom, how are you doing? You okay, man? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm better than better than I was yesterday. I'm yeah, yeah. Ropey, but it's better than it was. What's that with the uh, bit ill or...? Uh, yeah, my daughter brought home a sick bug the other day, so um, uh, we won't go too graphic, but yeah. <laughs> it, it always seems to be the case, kids and everything. That, that's actually yeah, one really strange yeah. thing is, you know, these outside factors of like, you know, simple things like that, a little bug or, you know, kids bring, you know, an illness home, whatever it might be, and how that can like affect you personally, but also deeply it can kind of run on the business and things like that as well, eh? 100%. Yeah, madness. So this week's podcast, as everyone sort of, all of our new listeners, if you've just came in, you haven't listened to any of the other ones, or if you're a repeat listener, then these first sort of interviews that we get done is sort of introducing whoever we've got on the podcast to sort of the podcast community. And we just speak about things to do with their business and we try and pick the brains and just sort of learn a little bit more from each other and find out what each other do within their business and then how they handle their own business as well. So, Tom, the first question I've got for you then is just can you tell us a bit about yourself, sort of where you're based and what your business is? Yeah, we're uh, we're based between Bolton and Bury in sort of North Manchester. Um, it's sort of quite a bit out of the city, so it's not really anything to do with the city. Right. Uh, but it is Greater Manchester technically. Um yeah, and we we mostly focus on garden maintenance, lawn care. Um lawn care is probably about eighty, ninety percent of it. Okay. Um but we do just general, you know, like fortnightly, weekly uh, garden maintenance. Fantastic. So how long have you actually been doing this for now then? Uh eleven years. Eleven years now. Wow. So yeah. I'm guessing, is this the first thing that you ever came into then? I was a roofer just before doing this. Um, right. I was a roofer for about a year. But I was like, I was doing that for about £30 a day. And wow. the, even the labourers were on more than me. And it was sort of sold to me as in, right, this is your apprenticeship. And then at some point, I'm going to I'm gonna be leaving and you can take over the business. That's what the other roofer was saying. Well, and uh, you could just see that it was never going to happen. And my sister's father-in-law actually ran a gardening business, and he saw that I was working hard but not really earning anything. Yeah. So he poached me off his friend, the roofer. <laughs> um, and I much prefer being on the ground than I do up high, so I was happy to <laughs> have to transfer over, really. So is that our first interest? Or like, did you have a base interest in gardening as a whole? to begin with or did that sort of spur from no from it was more him? sort of 
that's what's available. Um, I'd done business studies at college and I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I knew that I wanted to work for myself, but that, you know, nothing, nothing jumped out at me. Yeah. So when he offered me the gardening, I just thought, okay, we'll see how that goes. That's class, and I think that shows as well. Like, there's so there's so many different roads into this business. You know, sometimes people get laid off. They get, you know, they've had their eye on it for ages. They've worked in it professionally, and they jump ship to doing it themselves. Like, it always seems to amaze me that not not many people have the exact same story. You know what yeah, I mean? There's no no one set route for doing it. Yeah, and it, it's one of well, them as I well. Anybody, I don't think many people. I'm not saying not anybody, but I don't think many people at 16 leaving school think, right, I'll go to college and do horticulture. It, it's just, I don't think it's, it's not really in the schools, is it? So it's not in your head to go and do that. Yeah, I agree with that one, actually. It's um, it's not something I'd ever really thought about until obviously much later on, sort of mid to late 20s. Um, I think, like you say there, it's not within, and I've never really actually thought of that. It's not within mainstream education at all, apart from maybe touching, you know, growing a seed in a pot or something in science, like that type yeah. of thing. You Lots know, you took, yeah, yeah, but you don't actually, you don't do anything past that. There's no form of, you know, there's some subjects where you do like recreational stuff. Obviously, like PE is obviously a massive one, but there's nothing for the interest of gardening and. It seems to be it has to be a self-stemmed interest somewhere along the line for people to then move on to that for college, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a strange one because I always say to the lads that work for me, I say it's a, it's a strange job because people do it as a hobby. Yeah. And it's lucky to be able to do what some people enjoy as a hobby for our sort of living. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, Having that that mixture between you know earning good enough money like and enjoying the job that you do, that's like a really sweet spot, isn't it? And I think yeah. a lot of, like people might find that when they're sixteen, you know, they might go into it straight away. People not might might not find it until they're in the thirties, forties. I think if you can find that early on and actually have that like base interest and in wanting to go for it, then that puts you, you know, well ahead, you know, ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Personally, I think I was, I, I did it, and then I thought, it probably took, I don't know, maybe two two years or something, and I thought, actually, th- there is potential with this, and it can marry up with the sort of wanting to be self-employed and wanting to own my own business. Yeah. It, it sort of just fit, and I, I was working outside. I was, you know, like, it was an active job. It just all sort of worked, but I, I would have never said I want to be a gardener. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very strange, isn't it? I think, and I, you know, I always sort of touch on this and it's a fact of, I think it's got such a, a stereotype about it for like, yeah. for the, you know, for the, for the general person that does it, it's someone that's doing it on the side, you know, out the back of a car, but there's nothing like, you know, I think many of us start that way, but it just seems to carry it. I think it's only sort of now where people are, where you've got more people focusing just on lawn care or more on a horticultural background and people seeing it more as a profession, even if it's an untrained one, um, than anything else. It, it's really starting to carry through. 
Yeah, yeah. No, the the guy that I used to work for, um, my my sister's father-in-law, he was an accountant, and he basically had a breakdown in his accountancy job. Uh, he couldn't do it anymore, so he he became a gardener because of that. Um, and he was still very casual with it. It was when I joined him, it was almost like a friendship group he's round and so he had no winter work worth talking about really he went and did um people's tax returns over winter that's how he got through winter there was no winter work to talk about and um yeah so he got into it that way which obviously is completely different um but like i say he very much ran it He, he was a great guy um he's not a great businessman, but a great man kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. He was, you know, like I can't fault him at all. He, he did a lot for me. Um, and he was very generous. When, when we kind of split the business, he just said, there you go, take half the tools, take two thirds of the customers and off you go. And oh, um, yeah, I, that was probably about five years in. Um, he was trying to wind down. He was in his 60s going on 70 and um i was trying to build up and he's trying to bring it down and it just wasn't working we were going in opposite paths yeah Um, so yeah that's that's how i started working for myself and was that you know was there any sort of crossfire there or was it quite an amicable no completely amicable and i i still see him like i work locally to him and obviously i'm still related to him (laughs) so we, we speak a lot and for a little bit, he helped me, but he he just wasn't working at the same pace, so yeah. it wasn't really affordable. Um, so now, if there's anything I can help him with, I'll I'll drop whatever I'm doing to help him because obviously, like I say, he, he set us up. Uh, when I say us, I mean even my family, kind of. Um, yeah. In terms of what he was able to give us, because like I said. Without that, I didn't even have an inroad to the gardening business. I wouldn't have even thought of it, really. Yeah, that, that's a very fair show. That I mean, it it sounds like almost just when almost I don't want to just say it like you had it easy. I don't mean it that way, but things have just fell into place where you know to get a two thirds as like a, a kickstart. Yeah, you know, well, to go is, is is brilliant. You know, good on you. Yeah, for doing well, that, well, like. yeah. Well, with him, we. I think about three years into me working for him, he had an aneurysm and that completely changed everything. It, it happened in December, so it wasn't the end of the world um, in terms of the business didn't just stop because yeah. it, it was December anyway, so it was winding down. But he had this aneurysm and come March, he was still not on his feet properly. Um, it, you know, like it was very touch and go where he'd live with it when it happened. Um, yeah. So three years in, I'd just been plodding along sort of at 50%, and then it came to March, and it was like, right, okay, you're going to have to take over now because I can't do it. So I think at that point, I kind of stepped up and took the reins a bit with his guidance, and that's when I started building because I I sort of had charge of it and I could see where we could go with it. Yeah. And like I say, within two years... It, it was just too much for him. Um, 
and it was just different ambitions at different points in our life. Um, but yeah, like you say, it, it was completely amicable. Um, there was no no issues whatsoever, and I was really lucky that he was happy to do that. I think that's a you know it's a, it's a very strange thought that isn't it that being at them different you know the other side of let's say you're both on opposite sides of forty you know what I mean and yeah. I mean actually just because this we haven't actually asked how old are you Tom I'm thirty one thirty one okay yeah so you know you, you are in your mid twenties early twenties sorry around about this point I'm guessing yeah. was it yeah in in him being you know closer to that age range of sixty plus it just shows the difference in you know, how much go you have at that point that yeah, you're obviously ready yeah. to just take on the world and he's like, look, retirement's coming sort of thing, you know? It's, yeah, uh, and he, the and I, I do kind of miss it in a way, but there was a lot more social time. Like he, he'd spend a lot of time talking with his customers. Yeah. I'd actually sit in the car and be earning money because he was paying me hourly without <laughs> doing anything. Yeah. And... He never begrudged it, but that was how he worked. He he worked at that pace. Mm-hmm. And even if I got the job done, you know, like half an hour earlier than he wanted to stop talking, he was still going to have that chat. Right. And, um, it was lovely, and he, he still does it. He's, <laughs> he's, still, he's got, to be fair, he's, he's just finished. But last year, he still had sort of his neighbours that he did. Yeah. And it had taken a day to do to rough real arms, but he loved it, and... It's just a different way of life, isn't it? It's a different way of working. Yeah. And I, I think you do see it a lot with, you know, they kind of begrudged a little bit, but, you know, the the older, let's say, just the pensioner that you do maybe see come on uh, Facebook or you might see pass through the groups and it's like, you know, retired. Um, if anyone wants their loans doing, you know, I did it for so many years, yeah. £10 a loan, you know, and they chuck yeah. out like these low ball figures. But it, it is generally to a point where, they probably just still enjoy it, like, and you know, they get that bit of social time as well as that's it. And and what what I'd say on that is there is a customer there for them that isn't for me. Yeah, if you know what I mean. So there's a customer that wants Paul, who's retired and wants to charge ten pound a loan, and wants that half an hour chat. Yeah, but that customer's not my customer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as much as you could begrudge it and say, I wanted that lawn. It's it doesn't work for you. That customer's not your customer. Yeah. There's uh, there's different types of customers, isn't there? Yeah, no, definitely. I th- I think that's such a key point because you know, just because someone wants let's just say you you just do grass cutting. You know, just because someone wants their grass grass cut, it doesn't mean that they are um what's the word I'm looking for here, that they've sort of Past the credentials that you want or need within a client, yeah, to to be available for you, you know, because like you said, they might be on a totally different wavelength with with Absolutely. what they're expecting, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm guessing you're in the same sort of boat as what I am here, where we're not in it to just sort of tread water and just sort of scrape by with it all, you know. There's growth there and there's ambition behind it all, so. There is, yeah. and we need customers that are going to give. I mean, I love having a chat. Don't get me wrong, but like, I'll have a five ten minute chat that yeah. at a push. And if they approach me through like an hourly job, I'll talk to them. Look, I'm there for an hour, two hours. If you want to speak to me for fifteen minutes and you know use that time, then you can do. But when the end of the job's done, that's sort of me. 
You know, there's not yeah. many customers anymore that I actually knock on the door and say, and then have a chat with, you know, a lot of them now, I'll either knock on them at the beginning and be just like, I'm here, or I won't do it at all, and I'm just there and gone. So yeah, I think... That's, that's me. <laughs> yeah, you, you do. You just, you read your customers in. So for example, the, there was a house that I was at today, and every week, they, they've got about three quarters of an acre, half to three quarters of an acre. And so it's pretty big, but they, they're, they're, very, they're a bit older. They're in the 70s, but they're very much hands-on themselves as much as what they can do. So every week, they send me an email the day before saying, Sam, this is what we'd like done. And I've got no issues with that. But, yeah. you know, every time they see me driving, they'll come out, they'll greet me, and they'll just show me around the areas, and we'll have a little chat while we do it. Um, and that's just the way they like to to do it. But I've equally got customers like the one afterwards where there's no knock on the door. I'm there, I do the job, and I'm gone. So yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, and it, it's different expectations with different people, isn't it? Some people want that personal touch, and some people... I, I, I genuinely have probably five or six customers I've never met, never seen in my life. It's just all done online. Um, You generally got hold of me through Facebook and that's the only time I've ever spoke to them and I've never seen them. It's it's, it's a bit strange, but at the same time, it works. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's probably, again, the difference between now and when we're talking about like the pensioner that does the loan for a tenor and has a chat is, yeah. you know, even 20 year ago plus, probably even 15, maybe at a push there, you know, plus years ago, you had to knock on a door and talk to someone and, and sort of sell yourself for, you yeah, know, you absolutely. had to get that phone call and then meet them. Whereas now, like you say, everything's so online based. I mean, everything of mine comes through online. I mean, yeah. apart from if a neighbor approaches or something yeah, like that, but yeah, the, you know, the whole process from, and and some things, and this is a negative, I wouldn't advise anyone to do it, but I do still quote some jobs via pictures where it's obvious through experience, you know, kind of what it'll be. Like, let's just say it's a grass cut and you, you, you're like, there's no way that's bigger than 70 meters yeah. squared or whatnot. You know, there's some that you can just qualify straight away. And there's uh, some way you know it's a clever angle and there's yeah. a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... You know, there's somewhere you you don't even need to be there, and so I still do that sometimes. But in others, you know, uh, it is all just for the sake of this podcast. And even anyone that's listening, if you knew, it's really good, especially in the beginning. Go check every single garden out because, like Tom's just said, there it's uh, you know clever angles, and you know the ones I love is when someone sends you a picture and they go, "Oh, it's not that long," and they send it from like a high angle or something yeah. so that you can't really see the length of it or whatever it might be. <laughs> You get there and it's like knee high and you think, hold on. So, yeah, some some customers are pretty crafty with, you know, they're trying to get the lowest price they can. Um, you mentioned earlier on about employees. So do you employ someone? Currently? No, no. Uh, he's self-employed. So at one point I had five people. Um, wow. Now got, including myself. Yeah. Um, there's now three of us. Um, so my dad, my dad works for me. Um, he used to work for me full time, and we used to basically work together full time. Yeah. And then um, I tried to expand it. Uh, took on another family member, but um, so I I was working on my own, and then there was them two. 
Right. They were working together, my dad and the other person. And it, it basically just didn't, didn't work out at all. Um, it, the other person wasn't interested at all and turned up half the time and it, it basically just caused a lot of stress. And, um, I bet, yeah. Yeah, so I, I took on I took on another couple of lads, um, both uni students, um, Sam and Jack. Sam, Sam is at Oxford and he's doing biomedical science, so there was no chance of keeping him on yeah, uh, yeah. permanently. But, he, you know, like he's just really good, yeah. Uh, did everything sort of instinctively. Um, yeah. But he's sort of overqualified at 18 already. Yeah. Um, and Jack, Jack works with me now. Um, he's just coming towards the end of uni. So just as I'm getting into my busiest period, he's free up uh, five days a week now. Okay. Um, which is great. And then when he goes back to uni in sort of September, October, I'm my busiest period's dying off. Um, he's still on three days, but that works for me as well because it just means that we can, you know, like up and down kind of thing. So these are all people that you've known for for a while, then. Yeah, well, I've known my dad a while. Oh, wow. um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no, my, my dad, my dad works sort of part <laughs> time as and when I need him. Yeah. Um, he was working full time, but his his back went at the same time as the other person decided they couldn't be bothered. Um, right. So that that's when the stress kicked in. Um, but now he sort of works as and when I need him, um, which is good for him because it gives him a bit, you know, like to get by on, and yeah, it means yeah. that I've got someone there as sort of backup. And I, I think that's very useful, you know, because. Uh... You know, there's a couple of pals that I get in touch with now and again if I need, you know, if I if I think it it, it is at a push and needing a two man job, but yeah. to have someone there, like I would love to have someone there that I could always rely on. That, you know, if I really did need someone, then I could bring them in and there'd be no no problems at all. Yeah, Whereas, that's it. Like this this week we're a bit behind with um, the weather and stuff, so I'll just say to my dad, "What could you get out and do?" this street or this this bunch of customers and um it just takes the strain off me where i'm bringing them forward yeah uh yeah so so how how does that work with um with sort of the clients then do, do they mind that there's it's not tom every single time turning up to the doorstep or have you that drilled was, that in very early yeah so like i say when i when i did try and expand it to two teams that that was a problem. Um, it was sort of I'd, I'd go and quote it, or I basically had about 150 customers, and I sort of gave them, I gave them the sort of hourly jobs. Yeah. Um, and I worked on my own doing the grass cutting jobs, um, so I could get through, you know, like a lot of jobs in a day. Yeah. Whereas we'd have the denser jobs, if that makes sense. Um, and it, it it was all right when it was all right, but then if there was anything wrong, they were like, "Why are you not here doing this?" Um, really? And yeah, it was. Oh yeah, it's been good for you know like the last three visits, but it's it's not as good this time. Um, it's definitely not as good as when you were doing it. And 
my dad's my dad's a better card than me. It's just sometimes I, I feel like yeah, I feel like you've you've touched on it in the past where they want the face as well. Yeah, they don't they don't want the workers. They want the face of the business. It's a strange one, that isn't it? Because like, as you've just sort of alluded to there, it's got nothing even to do with skill. You know, you, the I mean, and I'm sure it does with some customers. I'm sure if the job's done well enough, then you know they don't care. But with some of them, it it seems like if you're not there, the person that they're wanting to be or expecting to be there, yeah. then, then then there's a bit of a fallout. I think such a hurdle to get around. Yeah. Because, it, you know, how- it's managing expectations. So I think if you, saying that, I did used to say sometimes it would be me, sometimes it would be my dad and the other guy. And um, it... <laughs> It was sort of, I just felt like I was always battling that. Yeah. Um, and like I say, for no reason, you know, like my dad does a great job. And some of my customers now, because I've taken on the jobs that he had, they, they'll they say, no, oh, when's your dad coming back? Because they want right. him. Okay, right. Then they're not desperate, but they know that I'm in charge of the company, so it's, it's all right. And <laughs> it, it is what it is. Yeah, um, but I think it's more his uh, like horticultural side. His sort of plant knowledge and everything. Um, mm-hmm. He's just able to give him the answer every time. Whereas I'll say, "I'll get back to you." Yeah, yeah. And um, but like I said, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it? Like they weren't happy one way; they're not happy the other way. Yeah, I suppose it's just a pet, and that's it. And I mean, a range of customer under the same business sort of category. One could be really into loans and they want to know, you know, all about thatch and why the garden might be doing this. The grass was great last year. What do you think's wrong with it this year? You know, everything like that. And then the other person couldn't care less yeah. as long as it's green. And yeah. they just want to know about what plants go along with the next ones and, you know, what sort of um, display would look good at this time of year. And, you know, it, it's so strange. I think the mixture of the mixture of clients actually that, this type of business brings through, isn't it? That's it. It's the range of topics that you can cover as a gardener is like incredible, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think bringing all the different aspects of landscaping and even drainage. I know landscapers that don't touch drainage because they think drainage special specialists should do the drainage, and um, just there's just levels and levels of outdoor work, I suppose it is, um, yeah. domestically. Yeah, no, you're completely right. What, what also then brings on the kind of problem of uh, of of kit and equipment because because there's such a wide range, and you might actually touch on something one day and go, oh, I quite enjoy that, but then it'll bring in like another three, four machines that you possibly have to buy to do it like effectively. You know yeah. what I mean? Or you know, as soon as you start touching any form of tree work or like clearance work, you're then looking at like proper brush cutters, possibly if you're going to even go right on. You could be looking at chippers, and you know what I mean? It can just take you thousands and thousands of pounds down a different route. Yeah. It's, Again, uh, within think, the same same kit. I think YouTube and watching people like you are dangerous for that. <laughs> you're too old and you think, I don't need that, but I want that. And yeah. That would make my life easier. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing already, mm-hmm. but... It's the sort of work smarter, not harder. And yeah, you can see that there's an easier way to do it. So 
you end up buying them tools, don't you? Yeah, and you know, my big thing, and I've said this a few times, is I not that I want to be on the tools forever, but I do want to still be in the game. You know, I, I don't plan on selling the company or anything like that, but I do plan on maybe just sort of doing the quotations and like steering steering the ship as you would. Yeah. But until I get to that point, let's say fifty years of age, whatever it might be, like I am very conscious about the health of my body and you know yeah. as yeah. in your your back going, your knee like especially through time in the military my back and my knees are in bits already. So if I can see that, you know, a blower or like I've got a still KM, whatever it is, and it's got like the hard brush attachments. Oh, for uh, me, for me, it, more than the power tools on that sense, it, it's the hand tools and sort of getting the long handles. Um, yeah. So you're bending when you're doing that kind of work. Um, yeah. And leaf grabs and so, something as simple as leaf grabs. Um, you see a lot of people bending over with this sort of scoops or something like that. Yeah. And I just think, obviously, the power tools, you, you need stuff that's not vibrating and everything and stuff that's going to look after you. But I think a lot of the holes with, or even spades, longer-handled spades, they're yeah. going to keep you going a lot longer. Yeah, definitely. No, that, that's a super good point, that, like, because you, you're right. And I was saying this to, I can't remember who it was, literally yesterday, that, you know, the, the, there's a machine in your business that's more important than anything else and it's yourself you know if if you break then everything stops you know if a mower goes down you can go buy another one or you can you could strim a garden if you really had to and it was that desperate but you know if if your body breaks or you get injured through wear and tear basically is what it is then yeah. then that's the problem you know and that's so I, that's one thing i would say anyone that is thinking about starting up or maybe you're a bit later on in life and you've already got your own aches and pains and that is invest wisely, not just in what, what's good equipment, but ones that will suit yourself. Like you say, leaf grabbers, I've been meaning to, to get leaf grabbers for the past two seasons. And yeah. and still to this point, I'm using a rake in my, my left hand. You know what I mean? And I keep, every time I do it, I go, oh, I really need to get a set. And then autumn's gone. And I'm like, oh, I won't worry about it. And then the scarifications come again, and I'm like, oh, I should have bought them. So um, on one, that, which ones do you use? Um, Darak. Right. That's the ones that I've actually been looking at. Yeah, red, red Darak ones. Um, they, I, I've used a few of them, and they just seem to last a bit longer. Uh, the, the only place that they wear is in the middle where the, um, where the pin goes through. Okay. And that, that can actually wear a bit, um, but... Usually, in the past, when I've had them, they, they bend at the ends, you know, when you've pressed them together. Yeah, um, yeah. But the, the Dalat ones seem to be really good, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, that that is definitely one. I, there is only one set that, I, I, and now I've just remembered, that now that I'm thinking of it, that I have bought, you know, like a a cheap brand anyway. They're, they're about 20 quid or so. Got them from a local garden centre. And I did one YouTube video where I'd done like a, overgrown um lawn knockdown and I was like right I'll use them for that and they broke after about four like picking up like four piles of you know grass curtains and they had basically sort of bent in on themselves from like you say yeah. the pressure and uh you know that that threw me off them because I didn't think there'd be any that were 
up to the job if it was handling with it like this heavy. But yeah, the dollar no, ones I, do seem steady yeah. enough. Like, yeah, I do rate them. Happy days. Um, so we're just going to take a quick break here to run the adverts, and then we'll be back with everyone in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by Total Loan. Total Loan provides scientifically engineered loan care products to homeowners, hobbyists, and loan care professionals. Their range of fertilizers and biostimulants will keep your lawn looking lush, green, and moss-free all year round. I use Total Loan products for my customers and on my own lawn, and I think you should too. The team at Total Loan put quality above anything else when they're producing their loan feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely, if ever, used by their competitors to give you the best loan possible. Try Total Loan today at totalloan.co.uk and use code Care at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Loan are so confident in their products that you can use them on your loan, and if you're not happy with the results, you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totalloan.co.uk and transform your loan. Right, welcome back to everyone after that short little ad break there. So now that we're back in with Tom, the first thing I want to just ask there, because we've touched on employees a bit there, you know, what was the sort of process you went about finding? Because I think so many people are asking at the minute, how do you find people to employ? How do you know if they're going to be good enough? That sort of thing. Did you use like Indeed or how did you go about it? That the I went, family members. I went down the Facebook route. I put a Facebook post <laughs> out. Right. You can imagine um, everybody was telling me about the cousin or the son or the their uncle that could do it and, you know, tagging this person, that person. Um, so... I think I just put a generic, does anybody fill these, you know, that criteria? Uh, do you want to do this? And I got all the responses. And I, I think I just put, if you're interested, please email me, your CV. Yeah. And um, that narrowed it down massively. Um, <laughs> I think I got about three people um, who sent the CV over. There was There was one guy, he came to work with me. And he was, he was very bitter. He sort of worked for a couple of other gardening companies in Bolton. And um, he spent the whole day telling me how they'd done wrong by him and this and that. And it, it, was, a, it was a long day. Yeah. Um, he, and then I just thought by the end of the day, what happens if I'm not happy with him? Um, yeah. he, he, you can just see, you know, like your reputation's gone with him. Yeah. Um, and it's just so quickly to lose it, isn't it? So he, he did his day and I paid him and that was that. Um, there was another guy at the pub. I, I met him at the pub on the Friday. I said, do you want to meet up and talk about the job? So I met him on the pub on the Friday and he um, he talked it up. He was, he was well up for it and... He really keen, told me about his experience working on golf clubs and um, how he'd been made redundant from a golf club during the pandemic and now, you know, like this is exactly what he needs. So I said, right, okay, I'll see you on Monday. And I messaged him on Sunday night. Are you all right to get to mine for eight o'clock? Something like that. Never heard from him, never heard from him, never heard from him since. Wow. Um, yeah. It, yeah, so... Eventually, it was a friend of my brother, um, Jack, that works with me now, uh, the lad that's at uni. He's about to, you know, finish uni and go full-time for the summer. And 
my brother put me in touch with him and every person that has worked with me or for me um successfully maybe it's me yeah <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but the other the other lad that I had Sam he was a customer's son okay and he, he was just leaving school and he's his dad said to me have you got any work for him he ended up doing two three years with me and um like I say, he was excellent, but he was a personal recommendation of someone that I trusted. Yeah. And similar with my brother, um, his personal recommendation. And they seem to work because they come from a trusted source, maybe. But, yeah. But like I say, I've, ne- I've never gone down the road of Indeed or um, Job Center or anything like that. And so, yeah, like I say, for me, from personal experience, the best people to work for you, the people that you kind of know are friends of friends. Yeah. I think it just shows, doesn't it, that whatever way you do end up going, you're probably going to get, especially if it's your first time employing and you're not yeah. too sure of any red flags or whatever it might be, you know, you're going to yeah. get such a wide range of people that you think you can trust and you can't or people you're a bit unsure about, but actually they're fantastic. Yeah, that, that's, I, I was a bit unsure with Jack at first, if, I, if I'm honest, and he knows that. Like, he, he, um, <laughs> I told him I was a bit, uh, don't know, but he, he pestered me, and he kept on emailing me saying, "I believe you still need somebody to work for you. I'm still interested, and I, I like that <laughs> attitude. Yeah, I, I, I rated that attitude that he was going to get it. Um, so yeah. That, that, yeah, that's correct. I think it shows if you're basically after someone, then what you, the main thing is someone that's eager to work for you, someone that's yeah. actually willing to, you know, you'd want someone that's going to ring you a couple of times and say, Is that still available? Like, I'm keen as mustard. Because you, yeah. you, at the end of the day, with all line of work, you need some of them are time sensitive, you know, some of them are in and, in, in and out jobs like we've talked about. And then other ones need to be done within a full day because, you know, you might have another full day's job in the next day. So you need people that are willing to move. Yeah. And I mean that in both sort of in all sort of senses that they're willing to move on the day to just, you know, graft hard. But then they're also wanting to. Well, that's it. And I think, push if, hard you, for it. I think if you sort of set the pace on the first day, it's going to either break them or you'll see, oh, they've got this. Yeah. You know, it, when when they both came working for me, uh, I didn't. You, you do slow down because you have to show them how to do it. But I was keen to sort of say, "This is what we need to do." Yeah. And um, yeah, that's it. The the both young lads and they got on with it, kind of thing. And I suppose it depends on what what you want to do with the business as well. Like you say, um, you're setting the pace, so. You need somebody that's going to either keep up or plod along with you. Um, if if you want to do it at a slower pace, because some people do, some people want to spend, um, you know, like the whole day in one garden at, at a relaxed pace. Yeah. So you don't you don't necessarily want somebody that's up and raring to go. It's not. Do you know what I mean? You need you need to be on the same wavelength with it, really, yeah. don't you? Someone needs to be able to. Sitting comfortably, it, it's almost hard because, 
like you're saying about that lad that was, you know, almost overqualified from the beginning, you know, you need that kind of push, that attitude that they want to do right, like, you know, even by themselves before it comes to by you and your company. But yeah. that then generally leads on to something more, you know, and I've seen a lot yeah. of these, these they speak about it a lot more in, in like America, like pay for performance and things like that, where you, have you ever heard of like profit sharing and that sort of thing? Uh, no, not really. So, so it's like there's a lot of incentives over America with pay, like paid for a performance. So to put it into our scale, you would get minimum wage, whatever that is now. I can't remember. It's like ten pound twenty an hour or yeah. nine pound whatever. Uh, so you get minimum wage as a basic, but then if you got all your gardens done, let's say an hour early, you might get a, and you did that all week. You might get then a bonus. You yeah, know, that, so that's, I suppose that's what I do now. Um, because I do pay Jack um, a bit over the minimum wage, but um, there's there's no contract on it. There's no agreement on what it is. But if we do, say we do a one-off job and it's, it's prof- profitable, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay a minimum wage for his hour doing it. If we made 150 pound in that hour, yeah. Um, because I'm open with him, he knows exactly. What, what we're making on the jobs uh, because I like him to know that as well because you know if, if it is something that he wants to get into then he, I want him to see that you know like it, it is a business and there's money to be made yeah um, but yeah I, I tend to add a bit on um, at the end of the week um, depending on you know like if we've got everything done and he's absolutely pulled pulled it out you know like then yeah, I suppose that's how I pay him. So and it works. It, it does work because he's no incentive to work faster. He's on an hourly hourly work rate. Yeah. Well, the more hours he does, the more he gets paid. Well, yeah. No, that's exactly whereas, it. I suppose. Whereas for me, the the more hours we work, the more I pay him, and the less I make. <laughs> so we're, we're sort of working at opposites. Definitely, and I think, and that's the thing with the profit sharing as well, is that, you know, if you do over-exceed, you know, what you thought you were going to do in that week or that month or that quarter, however you'd plan it, is the profit sharing's like, let's say you make, you know, just to, you know, wrong numbers off, let's say you wanted to make five grand in a month, but then because of a couple of good jobs came through and you actually pulled through seven grand, then, you know, that you'd give them a percentage of that two grand, you know, as a, as yeah. a bonus. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, I, and I keep saying this, I just feel like we're slightly behind the American curve, you know. No, and I'm, yeah, no, it, it definitely makes sense. And I, like I say, I, I suppose that I do do that to an extent, but it's not an agreed percentage or something. Yeah. Well, it's good um, though, because it works for you and your yeah. employees. Oh yeah. And if, if he's listening, then. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. That's good. No, though, because I think a lot of people will benefit off hearing this. This sort of even just, and for anyone listening now, none of this sort of thing was sort of planned in. This whole conversation just goes naturally. So to actually get a bit of an insight how someone naturally talks about this, this whole idea around having employees and going through many, not just actually working for you, but people that you thought was going to come in and work for you and fail, you know, it's a bit of an eye-opener for those that do want to expand. 
But yes. if I can just, oh no, I was just going to say, if I can move you over to sort of your business in a different part, and that being the pricing that we've talked talked on there, do you have any, any sort of best tips as to say on how you go by pricing work? Like anything that you might have learned that you sort of value, like how we were saying about visiting the properties in person in the beginning until you get a better understanding and you build your knowledge. You know, do you have any yeah. sort of tips like that? I think it's hard looking back. Um, we we don't do any jobs, I don't think, anymore by hourly rate. But I don't know how you'd start out without hourly rate. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because when when you're starting, so if, if I was giving someone tips, I'd say, yeah, start at what you work out your overheads and work out what you want to make. Um, what's it going to cost you per hour? And then charge what you want on top of that. Yeah. What, it... what you want to bring home because there's a lot of overheads. In... I, was, I was speaking to a window cleaner recently and he, he used to do garden maintenance and he stopped it because of the overheads. And he said to me, now I pay for my van, I pay for my insurance and I pay for these blades on his you know whatever it is um and then a bit of fairy liquid yeah and he, he doesn't charge as much but he doesn't have to pay out as much he doesn't have to think about it yeah um so i think realizing how much it does cost to run the business is quite important because i suppose I suppose when I worked for the old guy, his overheads weren't as much because he didn't run it like I do. Um, he didn't watch your your videos and <laughs> I took it all the time. Don't blame but, me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. I think work out your overheads, work out what you want, start on an hourly rate, and then you can change it. You can change it to it's going to be this much. In terms of if you were just grass cutting, then go in with a minimum and yeah. just say, this is what my minimum is going to be. And you, you can't do grass cutting on an early rate. Um, yeah. If you're doing maintenance of a garden with the beds and everything, then fair enough. But um, yeah, go in with a minimum. I never had a minimum until last year. I don't know why. <laughs> but yeah, I brought it in. I brought everybody up to that minimum and I lost three jobs. Yeah. Um, out of about 30 that were below the minimum. So, All right, well. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to realise, though, that £20 isn't what it was two years ago, is it? Exa- well, that that's exactly it. It, it. Not only is it not carrying as far, but you you need to... You really, I think now more than ever, especially with like fuel, for example, like my fuel now, before everything sort of crashed in this new van, so back end of last year, what was already quite a, a bit higher fuel rate from 12 months prior, but it was costing yeah. about £84 to fill up the Transit Custom, the new one I've got. And yeah. now it is a bit closer to 100 So that's 15 quid every time, 15 quid extra every time I, I do a full fuel up. Yeah. So, you know, that that's got a, that's got a curry, you know, and and, and it's yeah. coming at the minute. It's coming to me, so I 
any job that was sort of slightly out the way or just new jobs I was taking on, I was I was adding a, a small a small I suppose a percentage on top of that price to try and sort of cover myself as well as raising a few prices. And well, you, you, you have to, I think, you know. Yeah, the, you either don't go that far or it comes at a premium. Yeah. Well that's it. And it it's important as well what I think you said about minimum a minimum cut price because yeah. I never did that in the beginning and I very I soon learned that there was no point in charging any less than a certain figure because by the time I actually got there even if it was only 15 minutes on the lawn depending who that night uh, the next client was you know it still takes a decent amount of time unless your root density is really I think I've seen one of your pictures and you've got like five or six on one street do you not yeah, yeah, the 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 map uh, with the tabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we have a few like that. We have we have an area. Uh, there's an area near me called Harwood, and that's okay. basically where the guy that I started with lives, and he had that kind of root density. He, he only really did Harwood, um, and he he got that root density just out of being the local gardener maybe being the cheap local gardener um but at the same time he he didn't have any traveling to do um so being the cheap local gardener might might have paid well for him um not not that i'm advocating being cheap but what i'm saying is it helped him build up in that area and it helped me build up in that area um and we do a lot in one episode the way we have our weeks planned is kind of the first two days of the week, Monday, Tuesday, um, we have 20 to 25 jobs on both them days, which are just pure grass cutting. And the back end of the week is the bigger jobs where we're not there for a certain amount of hours, but they're just bigger jobs that require more time. And they're, they're quite... Um, flexible in yeah. terms of, I suppose that I suppose the different types of customers in a way. In that, the Monday Tuesday customers are they want you there. They want you. They're not bothered how long you're there. Um, just come in and out. Whether it's you know just the lawns or the lawns and a bit of weeding, you're in and out and. They might ask for something, but they'll wait for it. Yeah. Um, and they're inexpensive, but because there's so many of them, it's still good money. Yeah. Whereas the back end of the week, it's expensive. Expensive. It's more <laughs> the the higher end kind of gardens. Um, you know that that pay more because they are bigger. Yeah. And but they are they are a different type of customer as in if they want something they want it done there and then there's not there's you don't get the wait time with them really mm-hmm. um which is fine because the paying you know like significantly more you're talking the difference of people that are paying 20 pound a fortnight and people that are paying 80 pound a week yeah so when you're paying 80 pound a week you are going to want uh, and that's, that's higher it. level isn't it yeah, and they're not worried if they have to pay 120 that week as long as it's done. Yeah. Um, whereas the other one are like, right, okay, yeah, I'll um, 
it'll be an extra 30 pound is that all right yeah uh, when can you fit in i'll fit in you know like the next visit or the visit after whereas these say right okay i need this doing and it kind of has to be done and, and I, um, I think what that shows is and, I, and i'm a grand believer of this is that it's a fantastic model to have to have a, a mix of work not just the services you provide but also the type of clients you have because if in that example that you've said there, if you had every customer that was just in and outs, then you could almost, especially as just a one to two man team, you could probably flood yourself with the the sheer amount of gardens that you've got. And yeah, you know, that's, you know, that's the customer we service. That's what we did a while ago. And that that was when when I tried expanding, that's what we had. We had, you know, predominantly just that. Yeah. And then when two people fell off, it it just went to hell because there were so many to do. Yeah. Uh, and it was just impossible. And that's my worry. That's my worry is that I bring someone in, I'll you know, I train them to a point where I don't even need to be there to to be earning money. I can just set them away on a day, possibly yeah. in another van, maybe mine if I'm not working the job that day. And they're going to they're going to win cracking out you know twenty gardens let's say, but then after a month they go you know we build it up I I sort out all the new custom I've now got yep. an extra fifty clients, and then they go you know what mate this isn't for me and I go brilliant, you that, know, have you that, that's pretty much what happened <laughs> right so the fear is real okay yeah yeah that is pretty much what and you you just have to deal with it. like what I did at the time. Um, after pulling my hair out and <laughs> I, I really had a little breakdown in 2020. It was, it was during the pandemic and like I say, my dad's back went and the other lad went um, and I, I just struggled. I really did struggle at that time. Um, and I just had to say, sorry, we can't do it anymore. Or, you, you know, like it, it was just a case of, just yeah and um i ended up working all hours and we got through that year um but i was working sort of 13 14 hour days and it was just a lot yeah and then the start of the next year i just thought right we can't do that again so i I let go anybody that was in any way awkward any bad payers um anybody you know that we just didn't enjoy doing the garden as well. It's not necessarily the customer. Sometimes the garden's just too awkward or, um, yeah, just not enjoyable to do, if that yeah. makes sense. There's a, there's a almost, I want to paraphrase this quote because I don't know word for word, but that Keith Calfus is, and it is from like a pyramid of your customers, you know, let's say your, your worst ones to, you know, the pinnacle that you have, your very best customer. Yeah. As a pyramid, he says that you, you as you dissolve the bottom, like you grow the top. And that's exactly yeah. that, you know, when, it, when, when push comes to shove, you need to dissolve that bottom line. You know, anyone that's under your, let's say, satisfaction mark or you're a bit, it's a bit of a nightmare dealing with you. They're the ones that you have to make sure go so that you can, you know, at the time we didn't have any of these big big gardens and then um i didn't have the space to do it but i picked up one and i just thought right this is only down the road from me 
it's too good not to take. So I started doing it. And then I started putting the pictures on, on Facebook and on Instagram. Yeah. And obviously what you post on Facebook is what you're going to get. So if I post some small gardens that we've done the grass at, we're going to get small lawns. If I if I post the power washing, we're going to get power washing jobs. Yeah. And then I posted this huge lawn. It's by far the biggest lawn that we've done by probably 10 times. Wow. And then within a year, we had 10 of them. But that's what I'm advertising at that point when I'm putting them pictures out. Absolutely. And, you know, like you say, it almost shows then the quality of work because, you know, it's very rare that you get to to grow a garden from nothing. You know what I mean? So sometimes you do get them clients that have got established borders and, you know, the the garden, the grass isn't already, it's not in a bad way and you're now just maintaining it from where it was. But by taking on that garden and now having your name under it. Yeah. And and just them knowing that you're able to deal with the sheer size of it because I I don't have a garden like that. But if I did that, I'd need to know somebody was able to, you know, like keep up with something that size. Yeah. They're not they're not incredible. You know, there's bigger gardens and we don't do anything sort of acreage size. Um but they are the sort of premium end customers in a way. Um Definitely. we don't treat them any better, but yeah. they, just, they tend to be weekly and they tend to spend more money. Yeah. It was what you made me think of there is last season by this point you know the biggest garden I had like sort of scarified and sort of renovated was maybe only 150 meters squared something like that but most of them were under that and uh this this lady got in touch with me she brought me in and our garden was just moss she she uses a right on mower um everything gets mulched the garden's been there probably as long as the house has and so everything was just moss. And that's one thing she said was, and it, it actually really annoyed me because she said, we spoke about renovating and what it would look like. And she was like, oh, I've, I've looked through your Facebook. I've seen your pictures. She says, I've seen the work you do. Like, you know, I'm really impressed. That's why I've called you in. And uh, But she went, but I see that you've done, done anything of this size. So when we started speaking about price, she was, you know, she was almost trying to button me up like, well, you do this big of a garden, it might, you know what I mean? And yeah. I kind of took it as a bit of a fence because although she was right, you know, it was about 600 meters squared, this garden. So a fair old size to, you know, to renovate yeah. the whole. So the, the the quote was an abundance of a grand, I think. So she turned the quote down in the end. But, you know, I, I just kind of thought. she She's thinking. She, not done yeah, this, yeah. You're not going to know how to price for it. But yeah, but she's kind of right by it because I was thinking she, when, when she said it, like, that I haven't had any, that she's seen that I haven't done any of that sort of that size. It was annoying because she was right in that case, mm. you know, not, not the, nothing to do with the price, but it was in the fact of, you know, you, you've got that against me at the minute because you're right. I don't have it on my portfolio. And since, you know, I've been lucky enough to do some sort of close to that size, but you know, it, yeah, it's, it's just difficult. about getting, getting do you ever Do you ever find that you've got sort of a, block or a, a limit in your head and then you've realized no this is bigger so so by that 
um, when I used to work with the guy that I worked with before, the, the most anybody paid was £30. Pound. Okay. And I, I used to then take on jobs at £30 pound thinking that was a lot. Yeah. And I know that I lost jobs because I was trying to do £60 pound jobs at £30. Pound. I was trying to do £100 pound jobs yeah. at £30 pound because I had this block. And I, I went to a job recently. And we, we've just picked it. I've showed you the pictures, actually. Um, huge front back lawns. And I went there and I thought, nah, somewhere between 80 and 100. Yeah. And I, I went for 80 because I really wanted the job because it's stunning. Um, and it's got a nice pub next to it. And um, in hindsight, I reckon he probably would have gone for 100. Um we can obviously work up to that, you know, we can increase it next year or whatever. Um, but I think because in my head, the most anyone pays at the moment is £80 a week. I thought, right, £80 a week, that's a lot because that's where we are. Do you ever, yeah. do you ever get that kind of block? 100%. Like, I, I honestly think that we all put... You know, we put the ceiling above us. You know, we, we, yeah, uh, yeah I spoke about it in last week's uh, podcast about like pop bounding yourself, you know, restricting yeah. yourself to a certain size. And where I've always done it is so when I first started out, my daily rate was 150. And very soon I, I realized that I wasn't happy with that. So I moved it to 200. And even really to, to now, if I'm pricing one off jobs, I'm happy to go above it. So there, there was a, um, a garden knockdown one that was in excess of like five. Uh, the the profit actually on like the net profit after all expenses of the job and it took the job only took me five and a half hours in the end but it was about five hundred and thirty pound I made on it. Yeah. So that opened my eyes to that I could make more, but yeah, I was so it. I was so fixed to that till that point I was so fixed that two hundred pound is a day limit because it was yeah. a day rate that no matter how big these jobs were, I I couldn't. If I thought it would take 12 do. hours, then it would be, you know, a day rate and a half. And that yeah. isn't the way to go with it. No, um, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. You sort of, you say, right, the most I can earn today is £200, that job. Yeah. It, what's but a good that, amount that, of money? jobs worth 500 but I can yeah. only earn 200 And where it really sort of brings it out is, and this is why I, I always ask questions on, if I go quote a job on like an Instagram story or whatever it might be, I'll, I'll quite often ask, what do you reckon this job would be at? And there's so many professionals that get in touch, and I, like you have before as well, where you've like sent in a figure. And, you know, I might have only quoted £100 for a grass cut on a large area, but then you'll get people going, nah, that would be at least 240 for me. Then there'll be guys going, oh, well, that would only be £40 for me. And, you <laughs> know, it really, the bracket is so huge of, and what it is is that someone's done it for a lot longer and they've probably done a lot more expensive jobs and that's a bit cheaper to them. But our own mental cap restricts yeah, us on going, you know what I mean? Possibly, but at the same time, the one that's going in at 240 might quote 10 of them at 240 and hope to get one. Yeah. yeah whereas if you realistically want to get it, you're not going to say 240 every time. 
Well, I think that's what it comes down to, isn't it? Is what's your situation? Yeah, and how much situation and how much do you need it? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I said not long ago, and it was the fact that I had this awe of sort of motivation and inspiration to to start quoting jobs as if you're fully booked. And, yeah. and, and that's the position that I'm in. But every time I hit that position and I get new clients coming through or like requesting work, I'll sometimes put a bit of a stupid price to it. Well, not much more, but, you know, maybe an extra five, 10 pound on a cut that would, you know, instead of 30 pound, it might be 40. And I've just started doing that and I've been getting some through. So there's no, a cut, you know? The, I, I was thinking recently that, like, we're fully booked. We're, we're all, we're not overbooked, but we're, we're at our limit. We've not yeah. got much space. Um, we've not got much flexibility. So, at this, so if if we lose someone, then we don't replace them at the moment, um, which is fine uh, because it just gives us a bit more flexibility. Yeah. But the only way that we can earn more money, and some people don't like hearing it like this, but it's a business. Um, but the only way that I can earn more money is to get more out of the customers, which sounds really mercenary, but <laughs> it, it's not that. It's it's just upselling yourself to that customer. And bringing your price to where it needs to be. Yeah. So, like you say, if if you're fully booked, then when you go working with that customer, that new customer, they have to be at the top end of your price range, don't they? Yeah. No, no, ex- definitely. And and I think what's surprising is that how many people's ha- how many people are happy to do it. Um, just quickly while it's in my head, I was speaking about limits. You know. I grew up from a very uh, basic background, you know, the way we grew up as kids is our mother always tried to give us everything we could, but by all means, it was paycheck to paycheck, you know, and never would my mother have paid anyone 15 quid to cut the grass, never mind, you know, the prices that I charge now. And I know we're talking a good year's difference here, but even so, to this day and age, my mother wouldn't do it. So I already, I had that in my head that, Surely someone's not going to pay me 50 quid to cut the grass. You mm. know, that that's half of some people's day wage. You know, yeah, that's, some yeah, labourers are on 100 quid a day. Um, and, you know, and, and you, so when you think about it, it, it's all perspective of, you know, I, I'm, again, I just think we limit ourselves so much and how much you want to push and you want to take the business. You can't ask someone how much to charge and, and someone say, oh, you're being ridiculous because... You don't know what their overheads are. You don't know how many staff well, they've got. You don't know how hard they're working. What, that's kind of what I was saying about different customers for different people. So there's some people that do want to pay £10 and they're not bothered if you miss a visit and if if it doesn't look great, it, it's just done. It's something that they don't have to worry about. Yeah. Whereas then you, you get your next level of customer who want it done. They're not really fussy. Um, you could leave an imperfection and you just saw it next time. And I think that's kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, it's such a wide, and we keep on talking about like such a wide bracket that, that this sort of job goes into from everything between the kind of people you can get applying for jobs, the equipment you can be using, down to the customers that you can be getting. You know, it's such a market of everyone's more or less got a garden or a property that they're in, you know, and I, 
I'm taking out, you know, the statistics of people that don't live in homes, but, you know, everyone that's got a home, even if it's just, you know, they don't have gardens, they've got windows that they might want cleaned or whatnot. So it more or less spreads to everyone, you know, this, how you're saying earlier on about just property maintenance as a whole and that guy jumping to just windows or whatever the jobs he was doing. It yeah, can just yeah. it it can just spread. And, you know, there's so many ways to skin a cat. And that's why I think doing these podcasts in the way that we're doing them and having these sort of conversations, you know, I, I reckon the conversation we just had there about you being saying about being stuck to a figure and how we've talked that back and forward, someone will be there going, Jesus, well, I only, you know, 15 quid's my cap, you know? Yeah. And they're going, what? People's charging twice the amount of that. And, you know, it's going to open a lot of doors for a lot of people within their own heads to be like, I've got room here to, you know. I'm 11 years in and I still do it, like, because I just find different ceilings and it it keeps going up. (laughs) Um, But I've never done, you know, like three, four years ago, I'd never done them jobs before. So I didn't know of an £80 a week job. Um, So I I suppose if you don't know of it, then it's not there anyway. So No, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And I suppose different people are in different catchment areas where unluckily you might might have a bit of a limit to what people would pay. But I think for a lot of people out there, you, you know, as long as you can travel 10 miles, you know, you can see a completely different type of client, you know, 10 miles from one direction to another of, yeah. you know, what they're willing to pay and everything else. Yeah, 100%. So, Tom, then, if moving on from that last part just there, then starting to sort of close it down with the, just the last few questions that I've got for you. Slightly smaller questions, but uh, I think everyone will agree this sort of more open type of interview is is probably more preferred just because of the wide range of natural, like, interesting content that we'd be able to get because I think it suits so many people from people that are just beginning to, you know, to that's been it for a lot of years. But moving yeah. into these closed down questions, what's your favorite part of gardening? Why, like, why do you do this job still? Uh, it's, I just think I, I do enjoy the job. Um, like I say, I never started with a passion or a love for gardening, really. And, um, I just find the variety of jobs interesting, like like we talked about. Um, at one point, I was just pushing lawn, lawn care, and I, I did think of going down the lawn tech side, but we, I didn't really do that um, because I, I do enjoy, you know, like getting my hands stuck in and doing a bit of weeding and a bit of, bit of planting up and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, I suppose just that it can be a different job kind of every every other job. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And I also think what the the, the main thing is there as well is that it's a whole other dimension. You know, it creates so much more work for you between the months of October yeah. to March where you can still be actively doing things with trees, hedges, yeah, tidy it, ups, you know, yeah, like talks about hedge cutting but we we do a massive amount of that but we do like you say try and push that towards the back end of the year mm-hmm. and at that right. point grass cutting has become a bit monotonous so <laughs> yeah. moving on to the hedges it just gives you a bit of a different challenge a bit of something else yeah and you know what that's one thing i actually love about it now that you've you put it in that perspective of how they come and go 
is I always look forward to doing hedges. And then after I've done a good handful of them, I'm like, right, I'm ready not to be holding this trimmer above yeah, my when head. You, when you've done a full day on one hedge. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it, it can't, like, you know, it's it's pretty backbreaking. I, I mean, and I use battery tools. Like, I mean, that's another thing we haven't really spoke about in this podcast. But, you know, I use slightly lighter equipment. And even me, after eight to ten hours of, you know, doing some higher hedges, you yeah. feel it. You know, you sleep well that night. Yeah, um, absolutely. We, we've been on battery tools for about... Well, three, maybe four. This might be the fourth year. All right. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't go back. But saying that, I have just bought a Husqvarna uh, bullhorn <laughs> petrol streamer. Uh, so I have gone back. But, but that's literally because we do a church ad that the batteries were running out on. And it was a choice of buying the backpack battery mm-hmm. or buying the streamer. Yeah. And the thing is, I can't vouch for the for the Lord, uh, sorry, the newest backpack battery, because I've got the 940X. I think the newest one's a 950. And, you know, although it's decent and it, it definitely, it's a fantastic reserve to have, but bearing in mind, just for anyone that's wondering, they sit at around the Grand Mark. Like, they're not normally, yeah. I got mine second hand, but, so I got mine for about 400, I think, but they're, they're not cheap to get, is what I'm getting at. Um, no, this, this trimmer was a bit over 400, so. It was, yeah, I, I, I would never really use the big backpack. I suppose I could because we use, it just means not swapping out the batteries, but we've got a fair few batteries that we don't need that, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, no, it does. And normally by the time you finish the job, if you've only got one ball left and it's not fully dead, then you swap them anyway. Yeah. Um. So, no, I'm totally with you on that one. Mine was literally because there's two gardens I've got which are both two-hour visits. I still do some hourly visits. And um, they through the growing season, you know, the, the acreage is like, you know, and you are just trimming nonstop for a couple hours. And But that's literally the, the cap of it. If you've got to use the full power, you're probably still only getting about two hours constant runtime, you know. So yeah. it's it's only if you're using the the more the eco settings, the lower settings, and you're doing really light trimming work where you're going to get, right. you know, maybe four to six hours. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you had, if you had a hedge trimmer in your hand and you had the battery, the backpack in, then you'd get, you'd probably get yeah. like three days yeah. out of it. It would be, yeah. well, yeah. The, the crazy them things, you know, the hedge trimmers are really efficient, but it's, you know, it is, it's a, it's a difficult one to be in because it's a lot of money to invest for still, for still yeah. not getting as long as you know you you might possibly want. Yeah, this is a churchyard, and we, we'll we'll do that the streaming side of it every two weeks. Mm-hmm. But it's it's sort of three three and a half hours relentless streaming. Um, <laughs> so uh, and you kind of need the power because it, it does grow. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm quite happy with that stuff. No, well that's it, and I think it, the. There comes a time, even if you sit very much on the on the end of battery, and you know, you've a massive advocate for it. Like I love battery; I always push it to anyone that I can. Um, but there is still some jobs where petrol does it so much more efficiently, where it's hard not to to make yeah. that choice. I mean, before I bought my Bullhorn uh, Husqvarna strimmer, my other thought was getting a commercial fuel one 
for like the, the more brush cutting sort of very large overgrown areas because I love a tidy up where I can get one through yeah. but you do need the sort of power behind you but um, it, yeah. you know the right on brush cutters and if anyone that's seen me in the video using the Grillo you know for larger areas that Grillo was absolutely unstoppable so there is still times where you just need to bring in that you know the, the fuel the fuel kit and the, the equivalent really um yeah. The next one is, what's the biggest mistake you've made? Now, this is anything sort of from the business side, whether it's, you know, something you've said to a customer or to a practice that you may have done wrong, anything like that. Um, the, so, like, in a serious way, the biggest mistake I have made would be taking on too much and not having a backup in case we lost people, like I've touched on. Yeah. In terms of something a bit silly, um, <laughs> we had a we have a customer we still have him luckily, and <laughs> he works for Tarmac. Are they? Do you, do you know yeah. the company Tarmac? Are they up there? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. So the big, big national company Tarmac, and the customer. Is Irish, and I heard that he worked with Tarmac, and he he has like probably a million pound property, right. really really nice garden. And I said to him, "Oh, I heard you work with Tarmac. Would you like me to send you some leads when we get asked to do some driveways and stuff?" Right. And I, he he so I te I texted him that, and he said. No, Tom, sorry, I work for the company Tarmac. I, I'm not a Tarmacer. <laughs> and so I, I absolutely died. I absolutely died. And I messaged him back saying, I'm really sorry for the racial stereotype. <laughs> of the company? Of, of him being Irish and being a Tarmacer. And... Yeah, I just said, I'm I'm so sorry about that. And he said, don't worry, I get it all the time. But at that point, I thought, I've just lost one of our best customers by assuming that he time at driveways. Yeah, because it's, it's roads that they do, isn't it? It's like roads and... Um... Yeah, roads, driveways, kind of. It, it, it was, yeah, yeah, it was the wrong stereotype. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's, it's always one, isn't it? And it's... With customers, it's uh, it's very easy to just miss, yeah, things like that, isn't it? Well, and he's he's got a very good sense of humour. Um, oh, I didn't know before then. Yeah, um, but he took it really well. Whereas somebody else, you know, like, <laughs> it could have been a big, big mistake coming out with something like that. Yeah, they might have almost seen it as, you know, I suppose it would have been very snobby. But and I'm not saying you know people that tarmac drivers are bottom level, but you know, they might have felt almost insulted that I'm not just like a Libra or, yeah. you know what I mean? That sort of thing. And yeah, the yeah. Kind of, especially being like in a million pound property. Well, like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, it was a bit close, but like, like I say, he had a, he had a good sense of humor about it. Um, yeah. I have done that a few times with customers because I do tend to have a bit of a joke and, Sometimes you just completely misread the customer and they're not up for a joke. Yeah. Or they, or they just don't get your sense of humour. That's it. It's it's always a difficult one, I think, with clients. Um, 
just to share one back with you there, you've just made me think about it with talking about it on a client basis of messing up. And it was the fact that I've had this client about 14 months now. And uh, the whole time I've been calling this lady Ada. Okay, <laughs> I, I always spelt it A-Y-D-A. And this this lady's, I, I don't want to, she's from another country, right? Yeah. I don't want to speak too specifically about her just in case anyone local listens. Um, because they're probably, anyway. Uh, she's from another country, so she's got a bit of a uh, accent. And I always just took that that she was saying Ada. So through this whole time, I've if I've ever messaged, I've been like, I'm going to be at your property at this time. I've always started the message saying, morning, Ada, blah, blah, blah. All this time going on for about it. And uh, so then literally about a month and a half ago, I said this again, and I addressed her as that name. And she went, sorry, like she, she answered the question, and she went, sorry, Sam, but I've just got to say, that isn't my name. My name is Aiden. Um, and I, I, I just like died inside. I just thought literally the amount of times I've called to your face by message, by email that I've called you the wrong name and she's never picked me up on it. And she's obviously just snapped and went, you know, you're calling me the wrong name for, for freak's sake. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it it just kills you inside a little bit. So I I just apologized a lot and I was like, that's really rude of me. I should have made sure I had your name properly from the beginning. Well, the thing is, if you feel like you've got it right from the start and they're replying to it, then you don't know, do you? And and that was it. And it was the fact that I used to always, I used to always, well, I pay, sorry, I I invoice her through her husband's or boyfriend's um, bank account. So it's his name on the the email address I've got. So there's not, you know, because obviously the spelling's completely different. Um, between them two names so apart from the first letter the rest of it's all different but yeah because I was always sending it to him I just yeah never had the chance to double check but yeah so that was one of one of my mess up as well so it, it, it happens to everyone and I'm sure everyone that that's why I always ask it because there's such a range of um no the only time the only time I've ever done anything like that it, I tend to send Christmas cards to everybody at Christmas right um just put just because, right, to be honest, a lot of them, a lot of them are elderly, and I know that they really appreciate it. Yeah, it's good, so mate. I sent one, but well, I send it, and don't get me wrong, some of it, sometimes it brings us work, and it keeps us in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just a nice thing to do, I think. And I sent one to Doreen, <laughs> right. and I got one back from Maureen. <laughs> I don't know if she would have sent me one if she right. wasn't replying to let me know that she wasn't Dory. Yeah. Oh, but no. She it, made that clear. Yeah. I, and that's it, isn't it? Is that you can just miss. And quite often, you know, you know, we're pretty busy people when you're in there and, you know, quite often as well, you're speaking from across a garden or like through a, a dodgy phone line or whatnot. And it, it is hard to pick up on absolutely every detail, but. I think it's just when it's someone's name, you just feel like, yeah. if nothing else, I should probably have that down. And, <laughs> you know, that's... Because that's one thing I, I'm pretty bad with in general anyways, names, you know, keeping keeping in touch with it. And then, like, especially yourself, like, 150-odd clients. You know, it's yeah. a lot of people that remember when it, when it comes to, like, you know, some people tell you about the family lives and things like that, and you feel like yeah. you need to hold on to bits of information just so yeah, you don't come across as rude, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, nobody knows whether you're called Sam or Jay, do they? 
Oh, well, I mean, I get that all the time, you know, and I'm at the point where, because I'm technically both, I just accept any, and I, I'm I'm quite happy with it. And J-Rock as well, obviously, because of the the company, I, I quite get, quite often they get uh, people saying, hi, J-Rock, you know, and it's just, but I, I'm happy with you. Any, anyone that's listening and you want to get in touch with me, whether it's Sam, Joe, or J-Rock, I don't mind. Um, so, yeah, I suppose it's, I'm a safe bet for a lot of people, possibly. Um. Right, so the last and easiest question for you, Tom, is how can people find you online through your social medias? Uh, just Instagram and Facebook. We don't do um, we don't do anything else really. It's just Instagram and Facebook. If you search Forest Green Garden, and it's uh, double R on the forest. Um, yeah, that's that's all we use. We don't do. We, I've not got a YouTube or a TikTok channel. Um, <laughs> We, we just don't have the time, really. But, I, I, yeah. No, that, that's perfect. Well, um, Tom, honestly, thank you very much for coming on. I think this has just been, you know, I, I always have a, sort, a certain amount of questions I kind of, I have to run through as a backup. And quite often, whenever a conversation just takes its own path, you know, I think they're the best kind of conversations to have. So thank you very much for opening up about, you know, past clients and, you know, employees and stuff like that, because it's it's things that people don't often like to share, you know, almost that it's either a trick of the trade or that it's it's a bit personal. So I just yeah. want to thank you in advance, Miff, for just opening up and, you know. No, yeah, thanks for having us on and um, listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely. So thank you very much, mate, and uh, you take care and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, cheers, pal. Perfect, so... Thank you very much for everyone for joining us in on this podcast. This is the interview with Tom from Forest Green Gardening, and it's been episode 47. So to find both his Facebook and his Instagram, if you swipe all the way down, you'll you'll be in the show notes at the bottom there. I'll link them both in. So make sure you you give him a little follow there and you check out his work because honestly, you know, like you say, he's got that range, that range of clients. He does some phenomenal properties and he does some amazing work as well. So Thank you very much for joining us once again, and we'll see you again next week. Take care.